Today's scripture lesson will start a, a sermon series I'll explain in a minute on from the book of Genesis. I'm going to begin by reading uh, even a shorter version than what's listed in the bulletin. Three verses from the creation story, Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. This is the word of the Lord. I always appreciate the opportunity to preach sermon series in the summer, and this summer will prove no different. Sometimes I choose the series based on the lectionary passages, sometimes for on other criteria. This summer, the Old Testament lectionary passages are drawn from Genesis, which is always a rich source for preaching. So for the most part, between now and the early fall, I'm going to be preaching from this first book of the Bible. The passages will often appear on their designated Sundays, but sometimes they will be a few weeks off. The word Genesis means in the beginning. Chaim Potok began one of his novels with the statement, all beginnings are hard. For the most part, they are. But they are also beautiful in no small part because life is both hard and beautiful, beautiful and hard. We will see both beauty and hardness in this series, often in the same sermon. Among everything else it does, the book of Genesis begins the long arc of the biblical narrative by showing us the beauty of life as created by God. The hardness of life after the fall and the overarching and never ending commitment on the part of God for the redemption of human life and the rectification of the created order. We Christians believe this rectification ultimately happens in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the commitment on God's part begins in Genesis. Let us pray. Lord, all beginnings are hard and all beginnings are beautiful. May these sermons draw us nearer to you that we may grasp the beauty that redeems and even overcomes the hardness. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I had a wonderful English teacher in the ninth grade named Mrs. Haynes. 
She was a stickler for grammar and spelling. The main assignment for the class was to write a term paper with a thesis, evidence, conclusion, and either in notes or footnotes. It had to be typed, double-spaced, which means we had to have a good relationship with a parent or a neighbor down the street who had that technological ability. Now, I chose to write on the Bolshevik Revolution. It's an appropriate topic for a ninth grader. (laughs) Which, after some fits and starts throughout 1917, deposed the monarchy in Russia and brought Vladimir Lenin to power. When I got the paper back, it was filled with red marks. Specifically, every time the word Bolshevik appeared, it was circled. And the the marginal note after the first outside, after the first red mark, pointed out that I had spelled the word B-O-L-C-H-E-V-I-K instead of B-O-L-S-H-E-V-I-K. Now, with great trepidation, I turned to the back page of the term paper to see what grade I got. It was a B+. About three letters higher than I expected. (laughs) The teacher had let me off the hook for my one letter error repeated incessantly. Now seven years later when I began studying the Bible in seminary. We began at the beginning with Genesis. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. We soon noticed that God separated the many elements of creation one from another. Light from darkness, water from dry land, day from night, birds of the air from fish of the sea, cattle from creeping things, and from wild animals of the earth. Then after these acts of separation, the singular majestic God alone above all that was created in tones let us make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Following this regal announcement on the part of God, the narrator of Genesis then adds, so God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In reading or listening to this passage, it may have struck you as odd that the singular God would say, let us make humankind in our image. Us and our are plural pronouns. 
But isn't God singular, one, holy, immortal, invisible, eternal, unchanging? The narrator seemed to notice and quietly correct this grammatical mistake. Not by circling the plural pronouns in red, but by simply changing them to read, so God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Now, I don't recall if I was the student that noticed this violation of pronouns, but someone in the class did and raised it. For I remember then being taught that these plural pronouns for God, let us make in our image, were probably a residue from an ancient Mesopotamian creation myth in which there were many gods and on which the creation story in Genesis was likely, from which it was likely adopted and adapted. Indeed, in many ways, the creation story may have had among among its purposes the challenging and countering the polytheism, the many gods of the religion and the regions in which Judaism was born. In other words, the one God of the Genesis creation story may have been set over against the many gods of the neighborhood. But even given all this, I still wondered. I'm looking at an English teacher over here, a retired English teacher over here. Why wouldn't the editors of the Bible have caught this pronoun error? Just as my teacher caught my spelling mistake in the title of my paper, wouldn't the final framers of the Bible have caught this mistaken use of plural pronouns, particularly when they were putting something together as important as the Bible? All they had to do was change, let us make humankind in our image, to let me make humankind in my image, a simple red circle would have taken care of it. Now, it's only been in recent weeks that I've run across an ancient Jewish way of solving this dilemma that goes deeper than proofreading. The 11th century Jewish commentator Rashi speculates that at creation, at creation, God says to the angels... You exist in the upper world after my likeness. But if there be no one in the lower world after my likeness, there will be jealousy and quarreling and fighting and conflict among the works of creation. Contemporary commentator Aviva Zornberg writes, God actually desires a proliferation of his image. And he even consults with and seeks permission of those smaller than himself, namely the angels in heaven. She continues concerning this midrash. This imagery of consultation and proliferation is disconcerting to our monotheistic God-is-one theology. Yet it shows that the one, the great one, begins on day one 
alone in the upper world, but then engages in an activity that apparently compromises his oneness and even his greatness, even his power. In other words, God chooses to sacrifice or even give up some of his single, solitary, absolute power by allowing within his created order separation, specialization, difference. This all-powerful God not only consults and invites discussion with the beings that he has created, but he perhaps even entertains a difference of opinion. My monotheistic one-God mind takes this to mean that in the creation story, God chooses to give up some of his power to share his image with every creature of the world with every aspect of creation. Separation. Specialization. Difference. Now this is pretty abstract stuff. We began this sermon in ninth grade English class and now we're in philosophy 101. By now, our minds may be as hazy as the air was this week. But the bottom line is this. If God has limited his power and spread his image throughout all of creation, it follows that the differences we experience among all aspects of God's creation and of God's creatures the differences we experience within ourselves are actually built into creation. Light is different from darkness. Waters are different from dry land. Day is different from night. Birds of the air are different from the fish of the sea. Cattle are different from creeping things and are different from wild animals. Male is different from female and female from male. Yet all these differences, how they will play out, how they will subdivide further and continue to become more complex, how they will be impacted by the fall, all contain within them God's image. In the next verse, God gives us dominion over all of his creation. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living thing that breathes upon the earth. God is giving us, every human being, responsibility to lead, to rule, to govern, to cultivate, to nurture And to care for every aspect of the created order. And every aspect of difference within it. For us to be given responsibility over the beauty of creation. Is balanced by our being given responsibility 
over the hardness of creation. For soon as we know the differences and separation God creates become a source of conflict. As the first man and first woman place blame outside themselves for the eating of forbidden fruit, and as estrangement develops between them. As the serpent and woman become estranged from each other, as the soil to be tilled by the man who will till it and the man who will till it becomes estranged from each other, as childbirth becomes estranged from its beauty and the hard labor it entails, and as the second generation of human beings, Cain and Abel, argue over whose offering to God is superior and become so estranged from one another that one kills the other, an act that marks within the biblical narrative, the beginning of murder, family violence, fratricide, religious war. This is the hardest part of the difference among us. This is the most challenging part in which we seek to exercise dominion. So folks, all beginnings are hard, but all beginnings are beautiful as well because God's image is in all of creation, even in those things that are separated from one another, even in those things which are in conflict with one another, even in those things in which separation, in whose separation the power of the fall is evident with its malice and tragedy, its evil and its violence. So in its wisdom, the creation story is teaching us that the differences we have in this world are difficult to meander through and even tolerate. But the image of God has been implanted within our differences as God's image has been implanted within each of us. It is a remarkable act of sharing on the part of God, even giving up some power for God to bestow upon us collectively the responsibility of leading and governing and nurturing the created order which bears God's image. Even in the midst of all our differences, personal, political, national, religious, racial, sexual, economic, and cultural. It is quite a responsibility we have. And it is quite an honor that we have. And even when we misspell the most important word for which we are responsible, we just might receive a higher grade than we expected. And certainly one higher than we deserve. Amen.